Good morning. I went to Florida a few days ago, last week actually, and, and while I was there, I used to live in Florida, and one of my favorite beaches is a place called Clearwater Beach. Anyone been to Clearwater Beach? It's consistently rated in the, in the top beaches in the country. And so I, I parked my car there, and I decided I'm, I have one last chance to go visit, so I'm going to go visit before I come home. And I, I parked my car, and I immediately walked out to the beach and instantly hit the, I mean, I just dropped my towel, and the next thing I know, I'm in the water. It felt so amazing. And I just bobbed and I kind of floated for a little bit. And then I was kind of there just hanging out. And I saw these two guys out on what's called a sandbar. Now, a sandbar is like the, the, the elevation dips down of the, the water. It gets deep, but then it comes back up. And there's sand that you can actually stand on, like out in the ocean. It's almost like walking in water. It's pretty amazing. And so I decided uh, these couple of guys were out there. I've swam out there a bazillion times. It's maybe 100 yards. And I'm a pretty good swimmer. And so I took off. And I'm working, I'm working to get out to the sandbar. Normally it takes three or four minutes to get out there. But I don't think I noticed how hard the waves were coming in that day. I mean, the waves were just relentless. They were pounding on me as I'm going out. And I didn't notice how hard I was working until I started feeling pretty tired. Like my whole body tired, like my arms tired. And I've never really felt that way before. And it's a little bit scary to be out in the ocean and to feel that. And, and, and so it had been like 15 minutes and I didn't realize it. And the guys had swam off the sandbar, and so I had lost my frame of reference of where I was going. And so, so I was so tired, I thought, oh, I better check and see. Surely I'm almost to the sandbar. And I popped my head above the waves, and it was still a little ways out. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, my progress. I've been working really hard. I wasn't getting anywhere. I started to get really nervous because my arms were tired, and my heart started really pounding, and my, I was just gasping for air, and I was breathing in water, salt water, and my lungs were burning. And so I had to make a decision. Do I continue working and trying to get to this sandbar, or do I turn around and head for the shore? And I thought, I've been trying so hard to get to the sandbar, and I'm just not making it. I'm going to go back, right? So I turn around, and the shore was so far away. And my lungs were burning, and my heart was pounding, my arms were exhausted, and I started to get a little bit scared because I realized I'm just a few moments away from running out of gas, and I don't know what to do. And so the thought occurred to me, it's very possible I'm going to drown because I don't think I have what it takes to get back to the shore. Now, there's no lifeguard. There's nobody close to me. Every breath I had, I was having to fight for this breath. And so I kept swimming, but I was slowing down rapidly. And just at the moment that I thought, I, I just don't know if I can go any farther, I decided to check and just see if I was far enough toward the shore that I could touch. And thank God, when I dipped down, I could stand on my tiptoe. So I mustered up the last little bit of energy I had to take a step forward. And finally, I walked out of the ocean, and I collapsed completely and totally exhausted. Now, the funny thing is, a couple of moments before I thought I might die soon, I thought to myself, if I don't die, this will make a great sermon illustration. <laughs> I swear I thought that. So here it is. I've been chewing on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and I want to put it up, and I want you to look at this, and maybe for some of us it's familiar, but it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? Read it with me. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Now, that's really good news, right? And I follow Jesus. It's clear from this passage that it's talking about anyone that joins the family of faith in Christ that we should experience being a new creation. But for a lot of us, 
we've heard a gospel message and, and maybe we responded to it in some way. We said some kind of prayer. Maybe it was at a church service or we had this mountaintop experience with Jesus or we heard a great sermon or a youth camp or whatever it might be and we pray this prayer of surrender to Jesus and we expect to be changed. And maybe after that we listen to sermon after sermon. So we've, we've met Jesus, and we come to church every time the doors are open, and we read our Bibles, and we pray every single day. And yet, in spite of that, if we're really, really honest, out of all of the work that we do trying to follow Jesus in the gospel, we look at some parts of our lives, and it's almost as if they've been completely untouched by the gospel. Are you with me? You know, we look at our lives, and there's a lot of old still there. And we're still waiting on the new. And I think, listen, if we're really honest, if we're courageous enough to be honest, there are parts of our lives that we're not ready for Jesus to touch yet. Like our money. Like our stuff or our relationships or maybe a pattern of thinking that we become addicted to. And I've been following Jesus since I was 10 years old, so that's almost... 32 years now, and I can look at parts of my life and realize there are parts that I've worked at, that I've tried, that I've struggled, that I've labored, and I'm just not getting anywhere, and it's like they haven't been touched by the transformative power of the gospel. How about you? So I'm really excited because we're starting a brand new series today called Transformed, A Journey Toward Biblical Wholeness. And several weeks ago, I took a team of people away, and we went to pray and dream and to seek God's heart for our church community and to ask God, what should we teach on from now till the end of this year? And one of the questions that we asked ourselves was, what do we hope people experience as a result of meeting with Jesus consistently at South Fellowship Church? Like, what's the result? What do we hope the result is from you coming week after week and being a part of this community? It's a good question, and I'm glad we framed it that way. And true, we do want everyone to experience great worship. Great worship today, by the way, worship team. Uh, and great teaching. And we want great kids and student environments. And, and we want to be, have people welcome warmly and have our questions answered and all of that. But what if we did all of those things and had all kinds of programming and we had a laundry list of stuff that you get plugged into, but at the end of the day, all we could point to is we did stuff and we said stuff. See, our mission is to help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. That means that our mission isn't programming. We do programming to help facilitate the mission. You get the difference, right? Our mission isn't to do a bunch of stuff. It's to help you live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. And really what that means is our mission is to invite people into a process of transformation. And we firmly believe that, that an encounter with Jesus is an invitation into a journey of transformation. And that the gospel, the good news... The gospel that Jesus proclaimed should have an impact on all of the parts of our lives, not just our standing before God. I've been thinking a lot about why so many of us follow Jesus for so long, and, and maybe we even do all the right things. And like me struggling in the sea, we work really hard, but we don't experience freedom. And we don't see transformation as a regular part of our journey, and, and I wonder if it's partially because we don't understand exactly what it is that Jesus wants to do in us. You see, I think for some of us, we're stuck thinking that the primary reason that Jesus came to die on the cross was about a transaction, that, that his death means simply that I can have a relationship with God. Well, you certainly can now be right with God if you're in Christ, but I want you to pay really close attention to this. It's a huge mistake to think of the message of the gospel as merely a transaction 
instead of an invitation to transformation. I'm going to say it again. It's a huge mistake to think of the message of the gospel as merely a transaction instead of a transformation. If we merely focus on a transaction, we miss all that Jesus invites us to in this life. Dallas Willard says, It's the failure to understand Jesus and his words as reality and vital information about life that explains why today we don't routinely teach those who profess allegiance to him how to do what he said was best. We lead them to profess allegiance to him, or we expect them to and leave them there, devoting our remaining efforts to attracting them to this or that. But listen, church, I can tell you that the leadership of this church is not content just to tell you about Jesus so that you can pray a prayer and spend eternity with him. It's to do our part to help you live in his way with his heart now. And our prayer is that every single facet of your life would be impacted by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to jump into the scriptures, and and I'm going to frame uh, the next eight weeks that we're going to journey together. Uh, But before I do that, before we really dive into transformation, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heart, to pause your mind, put things in your lap down just for a second. And we're going to ask God's spirit to begin to move and shape us, even in this very moment as we begin this series. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for meeting us where we are. Thank you for modeling for us what it is to be fully human and for inviting us into a process of formation to wholeness and the image of Christ. And our desire as a community is to be filled with people who are transformed from the inside out, that the good news would touch every part of our lives. And so, Jesus, my prayer right now is that you'd soften our hearts, you'd open our eyes to see, you'd give us ears to hear your voice, calling us from brokenness to wholeness for the sake of your kingdom and your glory, and in the strong and powerful name of Jesus, together this church said, amen. Amen. Are you ready? All right. Uh, We're going to be journeying a good bit through Romans chapter 12, so go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. And I also want to point out, if you go to our app, uh, the South Fellowship app, you can search for that in your app store. You can click on sermons, and there's a place for sermon notes. You can fill those out digitally if you would like and follow along. Now, just a little bit of background on Romans. Go ahead and turn to chapter 12. We're going to camp there for a good bit in this series. Paul, the author of this letter, every time I say series, Siri thinks I'm talking to her, but I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Paul, the author of this letter to the church in Rome, he, he often followed a pattern where he greeted people. Hello, good to see you. Good to see you, church in Rome, church in uh, Littleton, whatever it might be. And then he gives a long lesson in theology. And then he shifts gears and he transitions to a practical, in light of what I just said, Here's what I want you to do. Here's how to exercise or live out your faith. Most of Paul's writings follow in that sort of pattern. And in Romans, it's really interesting because he shows us of this need for a savior. He, he shows us that sin entangles all of us and, and robs us of fully living out into who God's designed us to be. When you were a kid, maybe you heard people talk about the Roman road to salvation. And it always started with Romans chapter 3, verse 23, which says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All means what? All. all. Everybody. We fall in sin, uh, fall, sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And the glory is really his essence. It's the, the nature and the character of who God is. We've fallen short of that. God is beautiful. God is perfect. He's holy. He's good. And we've fallen short of that, meaning we were made in his image. But sin marred that image, and we don't look just like Jesus. He also said in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is what? Death. And we talk a lot about that. And that's true. 
But I also love that he said the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul, a man who was trained in the law, grew up in the law, he talked a lot about the law and how we couldn't measure up to it and and that it showed us that we just couldn't measure up on our own through our own power. And so he tells us about this idea of grace and he makes a compelling case that we should receive the mercy and grace of God offered through Jesus as our deliverer, as one who loved us and gave himself for us. So Romans chapter 12, start in verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, anytime we see the word therefore in scripture, we should ask, what's it therefore? Why? Okay, so here, Paul is shifting from theology. We're moving from the first 11 chapters where he's unpacking uh, the gospel, basically, and, and he's moving to practice, and he's essentially saying, in light of everything that I told you, that you're dead in your sins or your transgressions, that you can't measure up, but that God freely offers eternal life to you. In light of all of that, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And I think about my life and my ankle and my concussion and my hospitalizations, and I'm like, I'm not sure he wants my body as a living sacrifice. Uh, Some of us have more of a body than others, you know, or whatever it might be. But the body, did you realize that your body is the container that holds all of you? Your body contains your soul, your spirit, your heart, your mind. It's the vehicle that provides a housing for all the parts of us. And one of the early church heresies insisted that the body was irrelevant. But Paul here is not saying that the body is irrelevant, is he? He's saying to offer all of you your body, this container, and all of its parts as a living sacrifice. He's sort of saying that in light of all that God has done, offer your whole self for his good use. And then he continues in verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul sort of tells us what not to do, what to do, and how to do it. What not to do, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Uh, What to do, but be transformed by the how renewing of your mind. So he says, don't be conformed. Now, conformed essentially means to bend around. It means to take something and to shape it around something else. I think about someone who's making furniture, and they might take this wood, and you have a curved leg, and they don't just Superman style go, no, they, they wet the wood, they put steam on it or whatever, and they conform it around something. Are you with me? We can form something. We take uh, aluminum foil, and we put it over a beautiful cake, and we put it on there, it's in the shape of a cake. But at the end of the day, it's still wood, isn't it? It's still aluminum foil. He's saying, don't try to look like the pattern of this world. Don't give over to all the unhealthiness, the brokenness, the self-centeredness, the, the breaking of shalom that this world has to offer. He says, don't do that thing, right? And, but then he tells us to be transformed. And, and the Greek word for transformed here is metamorpho. Would you say that with me? Metamorpho. What does that word sound like? Metamorphosis. That's a pretty common word, isn't it? It's, it's a word that we use to mean that something has drastically changed. And if you know someone who's struggling from an addiction of some kind and their body is just ravaged and their mind is just ravaged and they're just not really doing well and you don't see them for a while, and then you see them again and they've, they've broken the strongholds of addiction. 
They're partnering in community, and God's beginning to transform them from the inside out. It's like they're a completely different person. And sometimes we would say, wow, what a metamorphosis, right? So what does transformation mean? Well, transformation is to change into another form or image. Transformation is to change to another form or image. And it essentially means changing from one state to another, moving from one kind of thing to another kind of thing, from one substance or form or whatever it might be. Now, this isn't just a New Testament or some sort of spiritual concept. We see this in our world, don't we? Probably the the easiest to spot example of this is a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly. That blows my mind. I mean, I, you know, in the winter, I cuddle up in a blanket tightly, sleep all night, pray I look different the next day. I look the same. (laughs) Caterpillar gets in the cocoon, hangs out for a few weeks, bam, he's got wings, he can fly, he's gorgeous. I'm still waiting for that kind of transition. Think about water. Water exists in three states, solid, liquid, and a gas. Think about food. If you take grain... And under the right circumstances, you, you heat it and you put uh, yeast in it, you can turn it into beer or whiskey, amen. <laughs> you can take grapes and you can uh, take grapes and you can pair them with uh, water and yeast and you can make wine, amen. Trail mix, listen. You take trail mix, you have all these little elements of trail mix. But at the end of the day, you can separate out those elements, can't you? I know this because I buy my kids these buckets of trail mix. And then they just pull out the things they like and just leave all the, st- the other stuff behind. So I go in to eat it, and there's only one kind of thing in there. That hasn't been transformed. Those elements haven't been transformed. They've just been mixed together, right? But if you add lemonade powder to water, you get a brand new, delicious gift from the nectar of the Lord, which is lemonade. It's moved from one form to another. You can't just separate the powder back out and have a pile of powder and a bucket of water, can you? Are you getting the point? So what is being transformed? If Jesus tells us to be transformed, is it our spirit? Is it our mind? What is it? Well, what is the message of Christ? What did Jesus say? What did Jesus preach about? Did Jesus preach about, well, turn or burn? Listen and follow me and you'll get out of hell. That's not what he preached. He consistently preached that the kingdom of God was near, didn't he? The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. He preached the kingdom. The gospel is the kingdom. The rules of engagement for the kingdom, that's what he gave. Think of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. He's saying this is how to operate as citizens of this new amazing kingdom, right? We should live as subjects uh, and participants in the kingdom. And Jesus met people where they were. And he healed them and he forgave them and he called them out of their brokenness. Isn't that good news? And then he invited people to follow him. And and so his ministry was far more than a get-out-of-hell card. He called people to move from their broken state into a transformed state. Listen, he moved them toward wholeness. As a matter of fact, Jesus showed us the perfect example of what a whole human being looks like. Robert Mulholland is a, a brilliant pastor, was a brilliant pastor and a seminary professor, And here's what he said about the Christian journey. He said, the Christian journey, therefore, is an intentional and continual commitment uh, to a lifelong process of growth toward what? Wholeness in Christ. Think about that. Growth toward wholeness in Christ. And that means that Jesus is, is interested in far more than just a transaction that makes us right with God. It means that being formed into the image of of likeness of Jesus, it's not just spiritual. Remember in the words of of John, it says, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. He was 100% God. 
but he was also 100% human. And that means that being formed into the image of Christ is to be fully formed into being a whole human being because Jesus was a whole human being. Have I crossed the line yet? You with me? All right. So, what is formation in our lives? Formation, this transformation as a follower of Jesus, is Jesus transforming our lives from a state of brokenness into a state of wholeness by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus invites us to move out of our brokenness into something new. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, well, then what is wholeness? And I'm really glad that you asked that question. And and actually, if you turn your insert and your bulletin onto the back, uh, I want to put it also on the screen. I'm going to just walk you through some areas of our lives. You know, our lives are complex. They're not just one thing. They're not just spirit. But you can see we have a spirit self. We have a part of us that is our mind. We have a body. We have emotion. We have relationships. We have vocation. That's God's purpose through us for the sake of others. And we have resources. But take a look at those areas. Do any of those jump out to you as areas that seems like it hasn't been transformed by the power of the gospel? Anyone brave enough to say, yeah, I'm still waiting on some of this? Me too. So we are who we are. It's so much more than our spirit, isn't it? See, the gospel can transform um, not just our standing before God, but every part of our lives. We're all being formed. This doesn't just apply to just Christians. Here's the thing. Everyone is in the process of spiritual formation, whether you follow Jesus or not. And listen to these powerful words from Robert Mulholland. He says, we're being shaped into either the wholeness of the image of Christ or a horribly destructive caricature of that image. Destructive not only to ourselves, but also to others, for we inflict our brokenness upon them. We're being shaped into something. God is shaping us. He's, he's moving us, but we're allowing ourselves, too, to be shaped in this process. And, and we can either be shaped into the image of Christ or into brokenness, and brokenness sprays around and hurts other people. So everyone means everyone. And, and I know we live in a world that desperately needs transformation, don't we? we? We live in a world where people need to be moved toward wholeness in Christ. We did a church survey back in January, and one of the, the things that really kind of caught my attention is we asked a question, how, uh, what was your status prior to coming to South? And we gave a, a list of things, but 97% of people said, I've, I was attending church and I was following Jesus. of people. The second question we asked was, how long have you been following Jesus? And an overwhelming majority said, a really long time. Well, what does that tell you? That the majority of this church is filled with people who have known Jesus for a long time. Well, then, obviously, then a minority in like 3% of people didn't know Jesus prior to coming to South. That means that we don't have that many people who don't know Jesus, who haven't experienced the power of the gospel in their life. And yet, I think South Fellowship is such a warm, loving community who does care about the power of the gospel. Would you agree? And I believe God is calling us not to be content uh, with anything less than transformed lives. And so we're asking Jesus, and I'm going to ask you just to pray with me in this. Jesus, would you send us lots of people who don't know you? 
We're asking Jesus to transform their lives from the inside out, that they would experience freedom and transformation they didn't even know was possible, and their lives would be formed into the wholeness of Jesus. That's our prayer. And we're praying that the next time we do a survey, the amount of people who did not know Jesus prior to coming here, but met him and had their lives turned upside down by the gospel, would increase dramatically. And that happens from you and I inviting people to come be a part of this. And, and I'm so excited about this series because we're talking practically about our lives and what the gospel wants to do. It's a great opportunity to invite people to come. But we're also not assuming that just because so many of us knew Jesus before we came to South that we don't need to experience transformation. And so we're going to be in a journey together for the next eight weeks or so. And we're going to study what transformation really means. And more specifically, what being fully formed into the image and likeness of Jesus really means. And we're going to look at some practical areas of our lives that we believe Jesus wants to transform. Now, imagine right where you're sitting. Close your eyes just for a moment. Think about where you are. Think about that chart that we looked at. Think honestly. And imagine if Jesus began to really move and change things in you. What if you began connecting with God on a regular basis? Imagine if your thinking were different, if those old patterns of thinking let go, a new life came to your thoughts. Imagine if your body, even if it's broken in some way, became a partner to you in your formation. What if you had a grasp on your emotions and and they became very healthy? What if those broken relationships in your life were made new? Imagine if your understanding of vocation became healthy and you partnered fully with Jesus and bringing his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Imagine if your relationship to your money, your time, your talents, and other resources God's blessed you with were healthy and you were living fully on mission with God. Wouldn't that be great? Church, that's exactly what we're dreaming of in this series. Now, Paul tells us the mechanism to get there. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we're going to unpack that um, throughout this series. And I want to say, just as a reminder, this is a great series to invite family, friends, coworkers, people that you want to hear the gospel. You want them to meet Jesus. You want them to understand that their life can be transformed from the inside out. And my prayer is that both those people who don't know Jesus would be a part of this, and those who've known Jesus for a long time would ex- experience freedom like they've never experienced and transformation they didn't even know was possible. So I want to frame up just for a moment transformation, some things to keep in mind as we get ready to move into the next eight weeks. And I'm going to give you four observations about transformation. And then I'm going to close with just a time of chewing on what we've learned through prayer and practice. All right. First thing, transformation is a promise. Would you say that with me? Transformation is a promise. See, transformation isn't just possible it's a promise. It's not something we have to beg God to want to do. We don't have to say, oh, Lord, please, we just wish your heart would just change so you would want transformation in people. It's something that Jesus desires for all of us. And if you go all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant, God promised Abraham that he would make a nation out of him, this multitude of people. But it wasn't just about counting numbers and so we have demographical stuff or real estate or whatever. It's a promise that down the line, Jesus would enter the picture. And then the brokenness that was in all creation through Abraham's family, all the way down to Jesus, that through that line, all of creation would be restored back to shalom. I want to look at 2 Corinthians 3, 18. 
It says, this is a familiar verse. Now, the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is We sing songs to say that. It's awesome. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, who the Lord is, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from who? The Lord, the Spirit. It doesn't say that if you pray hard enough or if you do this and you do that, you give enough or whatever, uh, you'll be transformed. It says we are being transformed into his image. See, the scriptures are clear that we all are being transformed if we're in Christ, that it's his promise to us that, that we will be transformed. The second thing about transformation I want us to keep in mind is that transformation is a process. Say that with me. Transformation is a process. And we don't live in a culture that really likes process. We, the process we like is we go to the freezer, we pull out the burrito, we take it out, of, hopefully out of the plastic, put it on a plate, put a napkin over it, put it in the microwave, you dial in one, zero, zero, hit start, and a minute later, this delicious, gourmet, sloppy burrito is there. That's what we want. I mean, I, if you go through the drive through at McDonald's, there's a sign saying we deliver through Uber Eats. We live in a culture where we want to order a Big Mac and have it delivered to our door. The next step will be for an extra buck. We'll come in the house and deliver it right to your seat, right? Right? That's where we're at as a society. The reason I went to Florida was to work with a psychologist who specializes in working with Christian leaders. And it's not because there was a crisis or an emergency other than I almost drowned. That was a little bit of an emergency. Um, But I went just to get a tune-up because I want to be the healthiest leader I can be in this season. And we're starting off the fall today. Today is fall launch. And we push pretty hard till Christmas. And I want to be healthy. I want my heart to be right. I want my mind to be right and all that. And so I went with some things in my life that I realized were kind of triggers for me. and, And I wanted to get to the bottom of it. And while that was happening, I, I made this fleeting sort of comment about something that happened in my childhood. And it was some stuff that I, I thought, I've already dealt with this. And my therapist goes, hey, I'd like to go back and let's, let's look through that. And of course, I was like, no thanks. I'm good. But she kind of hammered on me and I went, okay, let's, let's go look. But I was really surprised through this process that something that happened when I was a kid that I had sort of at 20 sort of thought I dealt with had a hold of me and I just didn't know it. I had some wounds, some, some patterns of thinking that have been a part of my life that I've held on to them for 30 plus years, and they were holding me back. So I went my, back to my hotel to think about it and to, to chew on it, and I couldn't believe that I hadn't made more progress in my life in this area than I had. But I also realized it was a process, that you don't typically just wave a magic wand or put your pain in a microwave and hit one zero zero start a minute later, I'm whole, I'm good. That's not the way that it usually works. I've been nursing, as many of you know, a sore Achilles for months, and believe me, I wish there was a pill that I could take um, uh, that would heal it instantly, but I'm having to continue to nurture this thing. It's just going on and on. Healing is a process, and I I know that Jesus could heal it instantly, but for some reason, he didn't choose that path for me, and for most of us, if we're honest, that's how the formation process looks, isn't it? One thing we're talking about a lot at at South is that followers of Jesus, um, we're seeking to live in his way with his heart. That means that we're growing in being with Jesus, that we're spending more time being with Jesus, that we're becoming like Jesus. That is wholeness, becoming whole human beings, fully formed in wholeness of Christ, and that we're doing as Jesus did. 
meaning that we are living out the gospel. We're doing his action. We're bringing renewal to all the parts of the earth. And, and the thing is, have you ever thought about this, that the disciples of Christ had proximity. I mean, they literally could touch him. They could talk to him. They could, you know, order Uber Eats with him and share a Big Mac. They were with him. They were close, all this sort of stuff. And even they struggled in the process of formation. Peter chopped a guy's ear off. I'd say he still had some work to do. He needed to go back into the oven. He needed to cook a little bit longer because he wasn't done yet. Now, earlier, I talked about water. And water is a really great example of, of transformation. Water freezes at uh, zero degrees Celsius, and it becomes a solid at that point. And I didn't know this, but there are 13 different kinds of, of solid for water. I didn't even know that. But the most common is ice, right? Here's what's crazy, though. To go from just shy of freezing, so liquid, not quite frozen, to one degree shy of boiling, it takes something like 418 joules as the measurement of energy. But to go that last degree, so from zero or one degree all the way up to 99 or whatever it is, uh, to, to go that extra one degree to boiling, which causes steam, a shift in state, takes five times as much energy to go that one degree as it did the prior 99 degrees. Isn't that crazy? Why? Because it's not just being conformed into a new bucket. I can take water and pour it in, in a new bucket. But because it's changing state, it's going from one type of thing to another type of thing. So no wonder trans transformation feels like it's taking forever. I mean, we can take little shifts here and shifts there, and I'm just, you know, growing in this, I'm getting a little bit better. But, but it takes a lot of energy to truly transform some part of our life. You're going to look up some days and you're going to go, man, I am not doing very well at being with Jesus or, or I don't look very much like Jesus or I'm not doing as Jesus did. And I wish I could say to you, well, just come on in and I'll pray over you and I'll wave the magic wand uh, and you'll do great at those things. But God takes us through a process empowered by the Holy Spirit and that's okay. The third thing about transformation, transformation takes practice. Transformation takes practice. So if we're becoming more like Jesus, do we just overnight wake up and now we're just instantly more like Jesus without us having to do anything? No. We want people to move toward wholeness, to, to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do as Jesus did. But, but it's not only a process, it takes practice. It's one foot in front of the other. You, you don't wake up one day not being a runner and decide to be a marathonist and go run a marathon. Well, actually... You might be an idiot and wake up one day and say, I'm going to run a marathon. You can try, and I would love it. If you do that, please email me and let me know how it went. But I can promise you, you're not going to succeed. Why? Because it takes practice. You have to build up your muscles. One thing we're really committed to as we pursue spiritual formation at South is to pair the target of being with, becoming like, and doing as uh, in the wholeness of Jesus with practices that help us move there. That's why they're called practices. So when we give you a list of practices, it's not just to sound spiritual. It literally is to help you practice your faith, to grow toward wholeness in Christ. And so we're looking at, at trying to come out this fall with a very simple way for you to get your mind around presence practices, around being with Jesus. 
and, and wholeness practices, practices that you can utilize in your life to move toward wholeness and renewal practices, practices you can do to bring transformation, to partner with God in the kingdom of God, to bring shalom to all things. I love the, the message paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 9.24. It says, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. And then he says, run to win. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades year after one that is gold eternally. He's saying, as you practice these things, as you practice presence practices, as you practice wholeness practices that move you toward Jesus, as you practice renewal practices that look outside of us for the sake of the world, as you do those things, you're doing it because the prize is so much greater than a, a gold chain that you wear around your neck. It has eternal significance. All athletes train hard. And so we have to engage in practices that train us in the way of righteousness. And, and that sometimes feels like a slog, but it leads to being transformed into the image of Jesus. The last thing about transformation, transformation requires partnership. Transformation requires partnership. Before you think this all sort of happens in some kind of vacuum, transformation doesn't happen solo. It requires a, a partnership of some kind to happen. And in our case, the first partnership is a partnership with the Holy Spirit. See, we can work really, really hard and think it's all up to us to do all the heavy lifting, but we cannot be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. And we can, we can engage in practices that grow us, but the spark, friends, the fuel, the thing that actually puts gas in the tank to get us down the field is this, the transformative power of the Spirit, which, by the way, is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. Now, all too often, we can thwart the work of the Holy Spirit and not allow the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out. So we have to partner with the Spirit. We have to be open. We have to hold our lives, palms up, waiting for the Spirit to, to do that work in us. We have to invite Jesus to do this work. And we have to trust that power comes from him alone. But the, the, finally, the growth happens best in community. We have to partner with one another. We have to wrestle with the scriptures with one another. We have to wrestle with how, our, how we're wired. We have to be honest about our baggage. We have to do all of that in community. I have to process the stuff that I talked about with my therapist last week. I can just keep talking with her, but I need to do it in community because you guys see me. You know me. You see things that I can't possibly see about myself. So by immersing myself willingly into community, God uses that to form me and to shape me into the image and the likeness of Jesus, and he does that for you too. You need to be deeply rooted into community. You can do it individually, but you can also do it one-on-one -on -one with, with spiritual directors and mentors. You can do it in a small group with others and mid-sized gatherings. You can do it in our weekend gathering. We're working to find ways to help us all stay rooted in community. And the truth is you need to take a step into community if you're not. So lean into your partnership with the Holy Spirit and lean into the natural partnership that God gave you by being placed into community. You'll never become the person God created you to be if you don't lean into the community he designed you to be in for the sake of being formed into the image and the likeness of Jesus. So, in this series, we're talking about not being conformed, but being transformed into the image and likeness 
of Jesus. That means every part of our life. And I'm excited to see how God will use the scriptures combined with the, the power of the Holy Spirit to touch our lives and to transform us from the inside out during this series. I'll give you one final Mulholland quote. He said, spiritual formation is a process of being conformed to the image of Christ. And the last thing I want to leave you with is for the sake of others. It's not just so that we look good. It's not just that we look a lot like Jesus and we're spending just having our little fellowship with Jesus. It's for the sake of others. And that's what Jesus came for. I did not come to be served, but to serve. That is the posture of Jesus. See, the reason it's important that you get to know how you're wired, you work through your baggage, you look at all the areas of your life, and you invite the Holy Spirit to transform you, is not just so that you look good, it's so that you can look outward and impact other people for the sake of the gospel. The kingdom of God is here, and we get to be participants in that. And we have to take steps to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out. So that's what we're going to be unpacking. Every week we're going to talk about a different area of our lives. I want to ask you to invite your friends, your family, let them come. And I want to end today a little bit different with a prayer and and a practice. And I want you to take everything that I've said and I want you to just don't start thinking about what's in your crock pot or the fried chicken that we're going to eat. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited about fried chicken too. But I want you to focus now on what we've talked about. And I want to end it with a time of just looking at ourselves honestly. And this takes vulnerability, by the way, to say, I am going to bear my soul to the Spirit of Christ and let him just be honest with me. And there's a great opportunity if we'll do that for the Spirit of God to move and shape us. First thing I want to give to you is a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to read this uh, with me together. This is from Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And it's actually uh, in your service guide so that you can take it home and you can pray this prayer and use this as a time to just ask the Lord, wash over me, speak to me. Would you pray this with me now? It says, investigate my life, oh God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong, but then guide me on the road to eternal life. So just take a moment and just think of the words of that prayer between you and the Spirit of Jesus. And I encourage you to pray this prayer over and over this week. Allow the Spirit to show you the parts of your lives that Maybe you're holding fiercely onto, not letting the Holy Spirit transform. What happens when we meet the Spirit? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. And that's what we're hoping for everyone in our community. And I want to give you a practice. On the back of your service guide, there's a, a wholeness wheel. And you'll see all the different areas. And, and there are probably more than this. We just want to give us something practical that we can work through, but I want to encourage you to take this, even right now, and to read these, and maybe just say, hey, Spirit, I'm really connecting with Jesus, so I'm going to shade this one all the way in. But my mind, maybe I'm struggling, and it'll look kind of like this. And just shade it. Be honest. This is not a time to lie to yourself or try to look better than you are. It's just a time to be honest about where you're at. 
So maybe it looks like that. Go ahead and put the, the areas back up again. So take that and fill it out. And just ask, ask some couple of questions. I want you to fill this out, and then I want you to ask this question. What areas of my life still need to be transformed? So this is a practice, it's a tool. Fill out the wheel. You'll quickly see there probably are some areas. And if you do it and all areas are a perfect 10, I would encourage you to, if you have a spouse, to ask your spouse to do it for you because they will help you whittle it down more accurately. If you don't have a spouse, talk to a friend. If you're at a perfect 10, show it to them. They'll be honest. They'll help you whittle it down. Take an inventory and ask what areas of my life still need to be transformed. I'm not going to give you a formula and a little pill. You just take this pill and it'll all be transformed. I'm going to make you live in that tension for the next several weeks. But we're going to start talking about those areas and letting the Holy Spirit um, work in us. And, uh, and I'm excited next week. I think it's next week. Dr. Winnick's going to share uh, on transformed relationships, which is one of the most significant parts of our lives. So we're going to start putting uh, the meat on the bone right away. But I don't want to just leave us with sort of the misery of going, oh man, I need a lot of work in this area, in this area, in this area. So I also want you to pair it with gratitude by asking this question, where have I experienced transformation in my life? So you'll see some things on that wheel that maybe look like you got a long way to go. But hopefully you'll see areas in that wheel that the spirit of Christ has redeemed, has moved, has transformed, has changed in you. And I want to ask you just to look at that and to take a look and just to be honest with God and say, I'm so grateful that at least in this area, you've done something significant. The last thing I'll say, and then I'm gonna pray. Uh, if you've never decided to live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus, I just wanna encourage you to do that. It doesn't have to be a big process. It can just be simply submitting and just saying, Jesus, I, I wanna live in your way i want to be transformed from the inside out and listen there are a lot of people that go to church their whole life and they don't actually commit to following jesus and so i'm just going to ask you uh, to consider doing that and if you do that i'd love for you to come talk to me uh, or one of our elders after this gathering uh, we're just we're trusting that god's going to transform hearts and lives in such significant ways and at the very end of this series the very last day we're going to do baptisms together and we're going to just celebrate transformation that god has done Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to serve you. Thank you that your spirit is at work, that you, Jesus, invite us into transformation, into biblical wholeness, making us into the person that you've created us to be. Thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you for the journey you're inviting us into. We pray for your blessing, for your mercy and your favor to be upon us. And together, this church said in the strong and the powerful name of Jesus, all right, today we have lunch party right after the second service. So go get coffee or whatever, come back, eat some fried chicken. Hope to see you there. Also, out in the lobby, group link today. Go find a group, partner in community. It's a part of your transformation, so go do it. You guys are loved. We'll see you next week.